This podcast is brought to you by Infinite Resources, a local staffing agency connecting diverse job candidates in central Iowa companies. If I write questions, I'll be very robotic. I'll be like, oh. <laughs> and then, you know, and then like, so. Um, you know, we say, como vaya viniendo, vamos viendo. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. So, um, so thank you for joining me. Um, so I guess we can just kind of start with your your name and your title, and uh, um, and then we can go from there. So we can start with you, Dr. Uh, Alarcón. Okay, muchas gracias. Um, mi nombre es uh, Carlos Alarcón. Yo este, uh, eh, soy médico de medicina familiar en el Mercy One Urbandale. Uh-huh. Eh, también desempeño como el director médico del Departamento de Salud del Condado de Polk. Uh-huh. Um, eh, en ese momento, ese es la, la, mis dos uh, um, mayores trabajos que estoy haciendo ahorita. Ok. Doctor Guevara. Mi nombre es... Doctor María Alejandra Guevara Hernández, yo soy la Program Director de la Residencia de Medicina Interna, soy hospitalista, enseño residentes de medicina interna y estudiantes de medicina de la Universidad de Moines. Ok. Doctor Márquez. Yeah, so, uh, discúlpeme. Um, so, soy uh, Diego Márquez, soy un residente uh, doctor en uh, Mercy uh, de Medicina Familia y uh, ahora está... Um, me voy a un, uh, entrar en otra residencia de uh, emergencia. ¿De emergencia? Yeah, ok. Bueno. Y ok, me llamo Artur Junqueira Braga dos Santos. Uh, yo soy un estudiante de medicina de Tomo University, especializando en pediatric medicine, uh-huh. que es el estudio de la pierna, los pies, lo, las ollas, todo eso. Uh-huh. Y antes de eso, yo soy cientista, ya tengo diplomas <coughs> en ciencia biomédica y ciencia de la salud. Ok. And you guys just met each other. You met him yeah. just now. He's a mentor of mine. You're a mentor. Okay. You just met them. I met them too. Okay. Uh, I met uh, Dr. Guevara before. Okay. Okay. Yeah. She's my mentor too. <laughs> 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 so how big is the Latino medical community here in Des Moines? Is this, is this it? Is, uh, it's um, about 3% only. 3% here in, yes, and, uh, in Iowa. In Iowa, okay. And the Latino population per the 2020 census data is 7%. 7%. So we are underrepresented. Right, right, right. And that's kind of the purpose of this uh, Latino Heritage Month, second annual National Latina Latino Physician Day. Correct. That so started in California. Uh-huh. Over there, they have about 20% of Latino population, and only 6% mm. is Latino, and only 2.7% is Latina, so it's mm. women physicians mm. from Latino origin. So last year, they started the first Latino National Latino Physician Day mm-hmm. with the idea of raise awareness and help people that they can do this, mm-hmm. and not only Latino, but on all minorities, because mm-hmm. the importance is to have in the physician workforce the representation of our population, mm-hmm. so patients feel identified and understood when they go to the physician. Right. And the, uh, Dr. Uh, Alarcón, um, you've been practicing for how long? So I'm practicing medicine for about um, 15 years. 15 years. Uh, when I, I know we were talking about this before. When I arrived to, when I came to Iowa, uh, maybe 25 years ago, and right. I don't know, have some, we have some stories. Though, but I was first working uh, in a, uh, one of the Walmart, uh, Walmart stores in the South Side, mm-hmm. and I was probably the only Spanish speaking there mm-hmm. 25 years ago. So I can tell that uh, the Latino population, the Spanish speaking population, has tremendously increased in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and it's, uh, I think it's meant to continue to increase. Were you working at Walmart while you were going to medical school? or? So I finished I finished med school in Lima, Peru. Oh, okay, I see. South mm-hmm. America. So, and then we had to go to a transition to, um, you know, passports and, mm-hmm. and certifications. Oh, okay, so okay. At that time, uh, I, was, I was stocking shelves at uh, Walmart. Wow. And, uh, and um, until I passed those boards. How long did that take you to like go? Uh, it took me a, a good uh, three years, probably. Wow. Yeah. So I came from uh, doing um, uh, surgeries in my country, and uh. then I was talking shelves, which I thought was a, 
still was challenging though because uh, my English wasn't good enough. And right, uh, right. And, uh, so that for me it was a, uh, it was the perfect situation because mm -hmm. in the mornings I was going to uh, the Moines Area Community College to study English, mm. and then uh, on in the evenings I was working at uh, Walmart, and uh, and I was kind of practicing the English. I I, I tried to I study in the morning. Right. So in the, I think seven eight months I got the English down and I was able to. So your your was there any other doctors the any other Latino doctors at that time or or. Uh, uh, I think what is a good um, a group of friends that we meet you know through the time mm -hmm. that um, they uh, um, in different states that they have done similar they have had similar journeys mm -hmm. you know to to uh, one way or another to go through the. The process of learning the language, mm -hmm. passing the boards, and and the, you know, getting into the medical system. Right. So the the um, this organization uh, or uh, this um, physician day, the purpose of it is to create a community around. So then, then so then, uh, students, people want to enter this field more. Exactly. That's mm -hmm. what we want to raise awareness since elementary school, high mm -hmm. school. So kids that are underrepresented feel mm -hmm. that it's not an impossible dream that they can do it. And mm -hmm. there is a group of Latino physicians that are willing to mentor them and mm -hmm. tutor them to achieve their dream. Right, right. So as far as your experience, tell, tell me a little bit about how you enter the field and, and your experience. Well, I'm from Caracas, Venezuela. Mm -hmm. I always knew I wanted to be a physician mm -hmm. and help people and especially in the times of need. Mm -hmm. I wanted to advance my education and come to the United States to uh, study here. So we first came with, some, with my husband to Phoenix, Arizona. We lived there, and that helped me study for my boards and also practice the language. Mm -hmm. Then we moved to Philadelphia, where I did my residency program at Jefferson University, Albert mm -hmm. Einstein Medical Center, and then we came to Des Moines, Iowa. And it was a nice surprise to find a community of okay. Latinos and, and make it feel like home. Right. Also having the happy face of the patient when I enter the room, I mostly work in the hospital and mm -hmm. when they can communicate in Spanish and Right. Express anything in Spanish that is priceless. So when you go from Caracas to like Philadelphia, is the the Latino co uh, medical community there is it robust or is it also lacking? Or how about compared to Iowa? It's higher than Iowa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but in general, uh, the numbers are about six to seven percent. Mm -hmm. So we are still underrepresented, right. and that's what we want to definitely get this message to the community right. because representation matters. Yeah, so this is like a marathon type of thing, right? Like it's just an annual uh, or, you know, constantly making the awareness that there is a community and that people can reach out and get some guidance. Or How about you, Dr. Marquez? What was your experience? How uh, Tell us a little bit about your uh, experience as, uh, as a Latino doctor here. Oh, man. Um, so my story is a little different. I'm a, I'm a third generation Latino. Uh, I'm from Chicago. Uh, my dad's uh, also an, uh, an ER physician. Um, so that, that was a big part of uh, why I wanted to go into medicine. Uh, unfortunately, my parents got like divorced. So I had like limited uh, contact with my dad, but mm -hmm. um, I, I talked to my African-American uh, classmates because when you get into med school, the first thing you do is a Latino or is like a, a, a black student. Uh -huh. You, you you show up the first day and you, you look and you're right. Like, who else? Is <laughs> who is who else is here? <laughs> who else is out here? <laughs> and uh, it's like you uh, everyone kind of gives each other like the nod, like okay, because there's probably like eighty of you in a class of 180. Yeah, like a one of these, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you all kind of just gravitate together in the uh -huh. anatomy lab, and next thing you know, your friends are uh, you know surgeons, anesthesiologists, you know whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but you go to four years of like brutality, but uh, I think the real fight is getting getting to that that place because uh -huh. um, uh, i think uh both 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 my black friends and and myself uh, uh -huh. growing up in this country uh being brown or being black you you're re reminded that you're you're different uh -huh. since like i don't know like
second grade. I, I just remember mm-hmm. uh, one time uh, I lived in South Bend, Indiana for a little bit, and uh, some kid was calling me, uh, some kids were calling me like Taco Breath, and, uh-huh. uh, all kinds, I could go all, all day, uh, all the stuff yeah, that, yeah, uh, yeah. that I was called back then, that I didn't even know what it, what it meant. Right. I was too young to even know. Yeah. Um, so that, that does do something to you. Um, you know, ty- I'm, th- I'm 36 now. I'm a little older. I got into medicine late. And part of the reason I got into medicine late is because uh, even with a dad as a doctor, you get uh-huh. fooled into thinking that you can't, you don't belong. Uh. And uh, it's uh, seeing someone else who looks like you, speaks like you, and patients, even, I'm not fully bilingual. I, I, I spoke, I grew up speaking uh, Spanish, but my parents were afraid that I uh, wouldn't catch on school as quick uh, as I should. Okay. Um, but I can understand a lot more than I can uh, speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the cultural nuances and everything, just walking in, you know, fast forward 20 something years later as a surgical <coughs> resident, a patient's going in for surgery. No one is taking the time to explain the procedure to this patient. Um, even in my limited Spanish, I provide more insight. There's more cultural nuances and just the empathy. Uh. I'm not going to say that people don't care about brown patients, but uh, I notice I, I'm, I'm taking my time with these patients and I'm looking out for them um, sometimes, you know, and uh, the, just just having just showing up with a face. Mm. Yeah, patients. I think uh, <laughs> on our Zoom call, Doctor Guevara, we spoke a little bit about like the cultural aspect of like you know uh, a lot of Latin America. Well, at least you know I'm from Guatemala, so um, you know, bigs, ponte ponte bigs You know, and like you know, so even even that little nuance, like you mentioned, you know, uh, our skin color. They just you just there's a relativity, you know aspect or comfortableness that happens when you see somebody walking in the door and they're like, yeah, speak Spanish. And it's important to recognize that because validate those feelings that, okay, that you can use your big vaporu or <laughs> drink your yeah. hot soup, but also you need to take these medications to right. increase the trust and increase that relationship-centered communication with patients. Right. So it the evidence have shown that when the physician looks like you, you have this inherited trust. And when those like cultural nuances are also part of the conversation and you validate those feelings instead of saying, oh, no, wha- what's big vaporu? Don't, right. don't use that. You, <laughs> yeah. you are dismissing the patient and then right. decreasing the trust. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you want them to follow your guidelines, they are the experts in their health. We are the experts in medicine. So together we build a team. Right. And that's what it's so important to have that representation in the physician workforce that mirrors the population. Mm-hmm. And, and jumping on what Dr. Guevara said about that is, you know, some of these things, I, my mom put big vapor up on me. Uh, <laughs> 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 you know, these are things that our families have been doing for generations. Uh-huh. So just because a doctor comes in, um, and I think definitely being in appearance has a part in it, mm-hmm. but regardless of how they look, if they just shut down and they don't validate, as Dr. Guevara was saying, mm. the chance of that patient doing the same thing and then not telling you about it is still very large. Right. And, right, right. and that can cause problems because it's been shown. I mean, uh, herbal supplements can affect the efficacy of medications. You know, taking soups and certain things before surgeries, you're not supposed to eat. You're mm. not supposed to be on certain diets. Uh-huh. And so if you're able to say, hey, you know, I know, I remember when my mom did it, I remember when my tia yes. told me to do this, uh-huh. but to tell them why they can't. It gives them, I remember my mom, it, I, so I have a unique experience because I was the immigrant son. I moved here when I was four years old from Brazil and I had to translate for my mom. So I, I was the, the son that had to go to the, that I spoke English because we went to school and mm-hmm. my mom, I was very blessed that she learned the language very quickly and so did my dad. But I remember having to do those things for uh-huh. them. And you don't understand the lack of validation sometimes, and that plays a huge factor in it as well, is being able to say, no, this person understands why I'm doing it. They're showing mm-hmm. me a better way. Right, right. And your experience is, uh, you know, you Brazilian, you yeah. said. Uh, and so tell us a little bit about how that, uh, you, you've had some Mexico uh, yeah, experiences. Yeah, so, so I, I was born in Brazil, and I moved here when I was four uh, my dad got an opportunity to to go to school here, and okay. uh, he moved us from. I come from a rural part of Brazil. I come from a state called Goiás. It's one of the largest meat exporters in the world. Actually, it's a lot of cow farms, a lot of actually corn. Okay. I say I moved to the Brazilian equivalent <laughs> of Iowa. Now here to Iowa. Um, as we were driving up from Florida, my dad's like, "I, I know yeah, this yeah, is yeah, corn. Yeah. This is soy. <laughs> I remember all this." You know. Um, however, with that being said, 
it was definitely a huge culture shock. Uh-huh. And uh, it's it's funny because moving from Florida to Iowa, it was like a culture shock over again because we're I come from a place where we have an abundance of different Latino communities, uh, Nicaragua, Guatemala, Mexico, and obviously a large Brazilian population to here where there seems to be a large Mexican population uh-huh. that I've seen. And again, I've only been here for a year, whereas other communities, it's, it's pockets that you need to find. Um, and as you said, I have some experience in Mexico. Uh, I worked for years, and my dad still works in and out of Mexico. And uh, I was able to be blessed to go to the country several times and work with some amazing people over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so growing up, I I picked. I always spoke Portuguese as my first language. Picked up English, and then as I was in high school and I was going to college, I studied La Real Academia. I had a wonderful Boricua teacher. Uh-huh. She always had her sweater, and she always told everybody exactly what their place <laughs> was. <laughs> and I uh, love you, Miss Mejia. Uh, and uh, to this day, she's she's a phenomenal supporter. But, you know, it's Dr. Guevara mentioned in her experience in Philadelphia, you find mentors and Dr. Alakar mentioned mentors in other states. Mm-hmm. You always have that one person who can show you a path. Mm. Uh, you know, Dr. Uh, Dr. Salas is uh, the head chief diversity officer at DMU where I'm at now. I'm mm-hmm. a student there, a yeah. uh, podiatric medical student there, as I mentioned. And he goes around and he speaks to various students. He acts almost as a... Uh, I don't want to say father figure because I love you, Dad. It's your birthday today, but you know, as a tío, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. to, to all of us, and and shows us different paths. And he goes and speaks around the country, uh, and showing students that there's other paths even beyond medicine, but advancement in STEM. You know, myself, I did mm-hmm. a couple of different things. Doctor Salas has his advancement in STEM, and so we try and promote that and be those types of mentors. Like Doctor Mejia, uh, she was the abuela for the whole school mm. and you have those people even outside of medicine just in academia in general showing mm-hmm. you hey just because you don't know how things work doesn't mean there's not another path right i mean there's three different ways for you to become a surgeon in the united states you can uh-huh. do do dpm or md and okay. that's nowhere else in the world does that happen mm-hmm. so just because one door closes doesn't mean there's not somebody who can show you to another door right but it also, it's a community thing. I mean, to tell my mom that I wanted to be a DPM, she's like, but you'll still be a doctor, right? <laughs> you know? And because it's so different. And uh-huh. those are the things that we want to try and highlight is that they're all the passion of being a physician, mm. to being in academia. And when we say 2%, 2% is an insane number when you think about it. With a million practicing physicians in the United States, mm. if we can increase Latino physicians just by 2%, that's almost 100 million patient visits a year because mm. we're estimating 20,000 more positions with around 400 patient visits a month. That's mm-hmm. 96 million more patient visits being seen by a Latino practitioner. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. So, and that's just on estimates difference. by CEC. It's a huge difference because, yeah, 2% is small, but when we think of especially how overworked our medical system is, 2% of physicians, that's a lot of people seeing a lot of patients mm-hmm. every day. Right. That's 20 patients almost every day. And I'm being a conservative estimate. These guys can probably tell you that it's a lot more than that. And and, and that's why it's so important to be those beacons for... And one generation. of the missions of, of this uh, uh, movement or, you know, this events that you guys are having is to create those, um, so to celebrate the doctors and the ones that have already accomplished this to say, hey... You can, I can do it. You can also do it from an elementary um, phase, like you said. Um, but as you mentioned, Dr. Marquez, is, you know, it's even that confidence of even belonging, right? Like, gotta get over that part, <laughs> and then it's having the confidence of like, um, of saying, I can do it. Uh, I dropped off my daughter a uh, long time ago to elementary. Uh, it was a predominantly white, you know, school here, um, East Polk Elementary. Uh, and uh, I dropped her off, and the, the hallways were almost, you know, kind of empty. And she goes, goes off and walks away, and this little third grader is like, a Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> he just points at me, yeah. and I just start laughing. I'm like, all right, <laughs> I'm one of Mullen. But, um, <laughs> but you know, even at the in that s- in that early stage, uh, there's there's uh, so we had to move her out of that um, elementary because you know it wasn't a fertile grounds for her. You know, she was gonna feel. Uh, intimidated or you know her confidence was going to be low so that's one of the missions of this of this uh, uh, is to show and celebrate uh, the accomplished doctors so then there's a um, they can see like oh somebody like me did it can you speak on that a little bit doctor definitely so it's um, it, it's um, to become a physician is it's a long path but I don't and, and maybe it's a little difficult path but it's it's doable you know, it's, it has steps since you are, you know, in pre-med, 
med student doing a residency. Um, um, but I think with the, um, uh, with the appropriate support, and, and uh, I think it's definitely more than doable. These days we see uh, young, young, young kids and students that they get discouraged on, on those long careers, and, and, um, and maybe they, they choose um, um, something else just because being afraid of the long path right. to become a physician, yeah. to become a surgeon. Uh, but uh, it's a process that you enjoyed every part of it. Closes every time, and then it opens another one, and then you keep expanding onto that. Um, it definitely, this this day is to to, to celebrate that, that those physicians that we were able to take the, the challenge to go all the way, and and, and uh, but also to encourage the the young the young student, the young you know, and a uh, uh, adult that is looking into a, a career to to serve, you know, to help mm -hmm. other people. Um, and when uh, um, when I, I'm thinking about um, uh, Latino physicians, and, mm -hmm. and uh, it's, it's not only the, not necessarily the, the, uh, the speak Spanish though, but it's also that when they talk about the culture, you know, uh -huh. you know that we're talking about the, um, the uh, using the creams and using this, you know, uh, cultural uh, remedies. And, uh -huh. and uh, I think we, uh, we that are grown up in, in Latino commu uh, communities, Latino parents, you know, we, we kind of hear this a lot from grandma, from the aunt, from everybody mm -hmm. else. And yeah, be able to uh, uh, understand them. Uh, in my practice, sometimes I see patients that they, um, the first thing is, oh, I saw that doctor, a non-English, a non-Spanish speaking. Oh, he doesn't know anything. And when I look at the note, well, he did all the right things, you know. And uh, he, you know, was a, maybe it was a cold, uh, just some conservative treatment, uh -huh. uh, because he didn't do an X-ray or he didn't give him antibiotics. He was a bad doctor. So right. I had to spend the first five minutes explaining. Well, you know, this is a correct treatment and. You know, we don't want to expose you to radiation for no reason. We don't uh, want to do this for that. Uh, blah, blah, blah. But uh, you really had to break that, and and you you know what what the the Latino uh, patient wants. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, and, uh, and uh, you're able to to explain that that better. I think us that are born in a um, Latino family community, uh, we 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 see that on a day to day. Right. We're able to to with the uh, with the proper training, you know, to explain that and. Yeah, I mean, there's been some people that uh, they have, like, a broken ankle, you know, and, like, you should go get it checked. And they're like, no, me van a sobar, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> it is, it's, so there is this a big, I mean, it's it's funny because it's it's such a huge part of, of our heritage and our culture and stuff that yeah. you have to kind of be able to understand it and explain it a little bit more. Like, no, you should go check it out. Yeah. Funny thing, you know, when my daughter twists her ankle, I usually get off her ankle and rub and she told me that doesn't work so then I put the eyes and everything else over uh, but yeah so they they have those beliefs and you have to and that goes to, you know hand to hand with the medication non-compliant you know we see patients and you know two or three medications for blood pressure for diabetes and still can't control it and and you just just don't like taking it and mm -hmm. when you go one by one and you take the time to go said, well, you know, that one I take it because I don't think uh, he knows or I don't believe this, you know, specialty or, uh -huh. or I didn't understand. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and uh, I, I, I get to see many of the patients that get discharged from the hospitals and sometimes from severe diseases and, uh, uh -huh. and they come with totally new medications and it take, might take a week, two weeks before they, I see him after the hospital. They didn't take any of that. They didn't uh -huh. do any of that because they didn't trust the provider and I needed to you know, say, yeah, you should take this, you know. Uh -huh. and, uh, you should continue with all stuff, but then you also should take that stuff, you know. Should take the other so there is a trust between patient and doctor that has to be built. Uh, um, and when there's somebody that looks like you, you, you already kind of start trusting that person. Um, I, if I may, I think it's also similar stories. I think there is there's Latino culture in the United States, there's African-American culture, there's German culture, right. but there's also immigrant culture. <coughs> like a lot of the things we need to talk about is there needs to be a trust within the medical community for undocumented immigrants. Like uh -huh. we were talking before the podcast started about HIPAA and we were actually making jokes about uh -huh. HIPAA and not being able to say, but it's a real thing. Health uh -huh. information privacy is a very serious thing. Right. And uh, there needs to be trust that your doctor, your physician is going to treat you equally regardless of your immigration mm. status. You know, mm. you see, I, I've had the privilege of working with some high schools here. There's a large Somalian population here. There's okay. a large Asian population here. And, you know, even though their cultures are undoubtedly different and undoubtedly have their own respective things, I'm not trying to compare Latino culture and theirs, 
the immigrant culture of being able to trust the community, I think, is really important. Mm -hmm. So when you hear, hey, you know, my mom came here too, or I came here, or I know, don't worry, I think that goes a long way as well. And they can obviously speak more to that than I can. Right. Um, so uh, the so on September 23rd, just to kind of do some uh, informational here, you guys going to be at the Latino Heritage Festival? Yes. Um, with the DMU booth. Yeah. yeah. So, so tell us about that. So as I mentioned before, I go to Des Moines University. We have two programs. We have our DO and our DPM program. And students from both, both from Latino and non-Latino backgrounds are going to be there. Okay. And uh, they're going to be predominantly our second year clinically medicine trained students. Uh, so we'll be there with supervision of some physicians and we'll be doing blood pressure checks. But we're also going to be doing some awareness, talking about the different opportunities that the university provides. Uh, the university actually has something really cool called the Health Pass program that uh -huh. they do over the summer that allows un 10 to 15 undergraduate students every year uh, to shadow physicians, see uh, different classes and how those go. So we'll be talking about those programs, but we'll also be trying to do some community outreach and do some blood pressure checks and just oh, talk, okay, about okay. The different, talk about the different possibilities that we have and get the community involved in the programs that school are doing and, and see more Latino representation. And then October 3rd, you'll be speaking with high school students? Yes. Um, tell me about that. Experience. That's part of what we want to <coughs> uh -huh. raise awareness. Um, be there and explain them. Even though it seems daunting, there is a right. path yeah. yes, that yes, you yes, can yes. become a physician. And there is a group here, local, that can help you mm -hmm. and can mentor you in that path. So that's what we want to start the pipeline early right, on. Right, right, right. Because we have been able to achieve this, but then how we can help the next generation yes. to arrive where we are right now is to help them since they are very young. Right. Um, and then October 13th, um, also speaking with high school yeah. students from... Avenue Scholars. So there's a couple of different programs that both the university and obviously the members of Medical Students for Latino Health, which I'm a part of mm -hmm. at DMU, uh, we work with. And all of those are s focused on what Dr. Guevara was talking about, is kind of showing, hey, there's a path, and if you have questions, we can show you the path. You know, I, I remember personally when I was in middle school, we did one of those 10-year time capsules, and I put a note in saying, oh, in 10 years, I'm going to be a practicing surgeon. And I was 13. <laughs> <laughs> because in Brazil, it's six years. You go to medical school <laughs> and you're done. <laughs> Obviously, I'm 26, so that didn't happen yet. <laughs> but it, it's, it's doing things like that. It's saying, hey, we have similar stories. And, you know, when you're young, you're optimistic. Uh, there's a lot of cartoons. Uh, you know, Doc McStuffins is a great one for elementary school students mm -hmm. talking about medicine. <coughs> but once you start hitting middle school, high school, the realities of the world come at you and you start realizing how daunting, as they mentioned, it is. Mm -hmm. So our goal is to work both with from starts right here and Avenue Scholars, which are two phenomenal programs that are here in Des Moines and talk to some of their students, especially in the high school and say, hey, whatever's happened so far, there's still a way out of it. And that's uh, something I've learned from my uh -huh. experiences. Okay, you didn't do great in high school. Go to community college, get a 4-0, transfer to another program, and start looking at programs in the United States that make what you want to do happen. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's our whole goal is is showing those stories or showing, hey, do you have family? It's a lot harder, but if you have family in another country and you, for whatever reason your immigration status, you need to go home, you can still come back as we have two phenomenal physicians here showing mm -hmm. those stories. You know, you can go back to your home country, study, and use your experience to come back here. Yeah. Well, I want to jump back into your your journey, Dr. Marquez, just to kind of, because you said that your journey was a little bit different. You started late. Can you tell a little bit about the when you started and what, um, yeah. what took um, you to that decision? So um, I, I, I kind of wanted to be a doctor. Just uh, growing up where I went, uh, it's kind of like backwards. Uh, my dad... Uh, I'm Puerto Rican and Mexican. My, my dad is a proud Puerto Rican. Uh, I, I won't be here uh, the 23rd. I'll be in Chicago. Hopefully I'll be eating a uh, hibarito, the funnest. <laughs> but um, I, uh, my parents got separated, and then uh, my dad was kind of like this, this, this legend, you know, uh -huh. doctor. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Everyone else is <laughs> calling me harsh, saying, harsh saying that, that's not that's not real. You're, you know, you're you're uh, you're a dirty Mexican. You're a uh -huh. landscaper. You're all this stuff. Um, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, this, I, for the purposes of like, I don't know what the rating of this podcast is, but there are so many things that I've been called right. from the grade school. Like you saw your daughter was mm -hmm. 
Um, and uh, that I don't really, I, I kind of like phased out. That's why I said that there's an extra level of hate that you get exposed to right. growing up in this country as a Latino. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does something, it probably does something to my DNA. I mean, you know, I may not live as long as I should have mm-hmm. had I grown up in another country, yeah. uh, living here. Um, and uh, I, did, I wasn't the best high school student. I was a varsity soccer player. I played D1 soccer. Um, and then uh, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was a bio major just because I thought maybe I could do something with that. Um, didn't, uh, what's it called? Uh, I wasn't a good high school student. I went to community college, like you said, mm-hmm. transferred, played uh, sports, and then kind of lost track of what I wanted to do. And then I graduated with like a, a, not a med school GPA, but a decent GPA, but not good enough to get into med school. Uh, I worked at T-Mobile <laughs> for two years selling phones. Okay. And then I used that money to uh, study for the MCAT by myself um, because uh, being in medicine takes medicine. When you First thing you do when you get into medical school, at least in this country, you'll notice half your classmates are rich. Okay. Like, and they're Asian or white. Uh-huh. That's how it is. It's not a knock against them. Some of them are nice. Uh-huh. Most of them are nice, uh-huh. <laughs> but a lot of them aren't. Um, but uh, so it, it takes, it's hard when you don't have any backup. Uh, <coughs> and uh, I had to go through that whole circuit, uh, took the MCAT over again, uh, did so well that some schools were like, how is your GPA this and your MCAT's up here? What, what happened? Uh, what did you do? Uh, and then I had did a master's in uh, biotechnology. Uh, fortunately, uh, my mom was actually working at University of Illinois Chicago, um, where they have, uh, so I didn't know this, my med school actually had the most Latinos in the entire country. Oh. More than like USC in California. That's like the other big feeder school of Latinos and doctors in the US. Okay. Uh, it makes sense, it's in California. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had a, a, a office there called the uh, Hispanic Center of Excellence. Mm-hmm. My mom was like one of the secretaries that worked in that office, and it basically laid out the blueprint of what you guys are doing, what's hopefully gonna happen here. They had a pipeline program called Medicina Scholars um, for high school students. Then they had uh, another thing for the medical students to pair you up with an attending like Dr. Guevara um, and uh, helped you get research and basically helped you navigate the match because that's a whole other level of, mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, just challenges that you have to get to. Mm-hmm. And then um, our, our, our dean had to advocate for us because I guess initially – we were on the, under the umbrella of the Urban Health Program, which is another minority recruitment program, primarily for African-Americans. And I guess back in the 80s or 70s, <coughs> um, they didn't think it was necessary to have a Latino one, just mm-hmm. kind of one under the umbrella. And uh, I didn't realize that my dad started that chapter in Chicago. Um, so, like, I had a lot of expectation when I got there, but I got there late. Um, and then I finally got into med school when I was, whew, when I was 28, and okay. I felt like... All my friends were making money. Everyone was looking at me like I was silly. At that time, you had an associate bachelor. And I had then a, a master's in master's? biotechnology. Okay. Uh, and I had a bachelor's in biology. Okay. Um, and I just came off working from T-Mobile. And I, okay. was just, I was just so happy to be there. I was listening to, like, Lil Wayne and Drake. And <laughs> I was just, like, all <laughs> those songs spoke to me. Like, uh-huh. you know, this is my time. Uh, and then I finally got in. Um, and med school is how many years? It's four years. Four years, and okay. that was a whole nother... Like I said, like the first day of class, you look at each other, and some of you guys uh, gravitate gravitate towards each <coughs> other, and then uh, and then the real challenge begins because then then you're even your own professors. Uh. Like, oh, uh, were you born here? You uh-huh. speak so well. Uh-huh. Um, you're just lazy. Uh-huh. Uh, all kinds of stuff that um, I don't even really want to go sure. through. That, that could be its own podcast. Yes. How yes. to deal with racism <laughs> in the med school while while being a Latino? Yeah, we'll have to put <laughs> that one on. <laughs> that that could be a whole series. <laughs> A ten-part series. Yes. Um, and then, uh, luckily, I had that office. Uh, they reached. They paired us up with mentors, and we're like, "Yo, like, you know, we had a monthly and weekly meetings where we would literally just like meet with an attending who said, "What did you go through this week?" Okay. You're okay. You're still here. Keep going. Like, do this or do that. Or they would pair us up with like an older med student. So because it's kind of like high school, it's four sure. years. A freshman with like a senior to kind of help. Uh. Um, and then you would show up the next day and just eat more of it. Mm. And just like I'm ready. Like well, you know, I'm when you're talking right now, and my niece, she's going to Iowa State right now, and when she was a senior or junior, not junior or something, we did a little mini documentary. Me and my daughter did a little mini documentary. This is my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
about my mom, right? Her immigrant story. But uh, part of the interview was, you know, interviewing the grandkids and uh, um, and part of the in, uh, the mini documentary. She says, "I want to be a doctor." Uh, and now I think she's in her junior year um, in at uh, Iowa State, and I think she's choosing to go like the route of like um, uh, in sports, like you know the the the. the yeah, the the people that are with the sports team and they go oh and they physical therapy. Yeah, yeah it's physical yeah, therapy. But what you're saying is, is that once she's done with that, she can still go. Oh yeah, like that's a big So it doesn't have to be like I'm deciding to be a doctor the first day that I'm in college. Uh, yeah, oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm living. <laughs> so yes, and same. I I got two degrees before, and I worked with timeshare sales before I got right. into that. I mean, okay. I did business consulting, but a large part of that business consulting was uh-huh. timeshare sales. So it's definitely possible. Uh, and I have a similar story. Not a great GPA. Did well uh-huh. on my MCAT, and people were like, "Why are you here?" Yes. And and similar story. And I can relate. I remember lunchtime growing up was horrible because you're opening cafeteria. You're oh, opening. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> he knows exactly what I'm talking about. So if you've ever had a packed lunch and okay. you're from a Latino family, uh-huh, you're yeah, gonna yeah, yeah. throw that in the microwave and everybody's gonna this hate you. <laughs> I begged my. Mo- I don't even like cold cuts. I begged my mom for lunchables, yeah, and we didn't yeah, have the money for it, so yeah, I kept yeah. opening. So. Yeah, so similar. So like we said, it, it's a it's a matter of culture. I, I always I have a saying that I like to say. I think color is important, but when we're talking about this, I, it's a matter of culture, right, not color, right. because no matter how you look, how you are from, it's our stories that right. unite us together. Um, but what you were talking about, it's absolutely possible. We have program. Uh, we have students currently in the DPM program who joined medical school at fifty six. They oh were wow. we have students who are med sales representatives. We have students who have doctorates in pharmacy. Mm. We have students who have PhDs. There are a million different routes uh-huh. to get into medical yeah, school, yeah, yeah. and advisors do a wonderful job at telling you that's not true. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. yeah. You know, it's difficult. I, I'm going to give some credit to advisors here because it's difficult. The w- admissions process to even undergraduate universities in the United States is confusing, mm-hmm. much less to a grad program where they look at so many different variables. Uh-huh. So always keep pushing. If it's something you want, I always say this. There's people who are deans of faculties of medicine today, and it took them four or five times. Mm-hmm. There are people, myself included, who have failed classes in grad school, and they have to retake it, and that's okay. The thing is, you can never let anybody else tell you to quit. If you're telling yourself this isn't something I love, then I say that is the day that you should stop. Uh-huh. Because this is not a road or a path for the faint of heart. Right, right. Especially right. as an immigrant, as a Latino, uh-huh. it's not easy. Uh-huh. But don't let somebody else tell you to quit. Right. The day your heart tells you to quit, go find something you love. Uh-huh. But until then, keep pushing. Yeah. I'd like and to add to that. Go ahead, please. please go. So you need to believe. That's right. the most important uh-huh. thing. As a program director, I had the pleasure to interview a lot of medical students applying for an internal medicine residency. Uh-huh. And I value a lot of the, grow the growth mindset. Uh-huh. I value a lot of experience before med school because those residents are actually my stellar residents, oh are the okay. ones that connect with my patients because they understand the hardships of life and they understand what my patients had gone through and they are not completely unrelated to social determinants of health and Uh all that kind of things. And that experience actually teaches my other residents that were blessed in life that Uh didn't have to go through it. But it's a good mixture of a group where everybody complements each other mm-hmm. and learn from each other. So definitely uh, the growth mindset is a new learning pathway mm-hmm. like a lot of the deans and program directors out there are a value. Uh-huh. value. It's a very valuable skill. Right. To like have a belief in yourself. And that's like the, the most important thing, having the drive and, and belief in yourself. So, um, you know, I think we're in different examples of uh-huh. what we're talking about. Um, um, so one of the biggest misconceptions of the young students. The, 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 the misconception is that, um, um, that you need to be an A-plus student through all your life uh-huh. to, be able to get into med school. Uh-huh. That's yeah. what we're talking about. And, um, and, and that is not true. Right. Um, a great, um, and I want to summarize it, a, a great physician, a Latino physician, 
that uh, it was my mentor and mentor of many physicians in my world, Dr. Jose Angel, I think some of you guys know him. You know, he told me recently, and he of course he's, you know, being a mentor of many students and physicians, told me that I rather have, um, I rather have um, a student with an um, B brain and an A energy ah, uh-huh. than the other way around. Right. Uh, those are uh, the students that uh, you know that they continually pursue, and that's I think a little bit of what we you are talking about. That you continue your, your dreams and continue to yes. pursue, with despite you're not necessarily you are always testing well. They are not always you know and uh, getting the the hundred percent scores on on the or no don't have the the best GPA. And I think uh, I think that's my case too. I never had the best GPA, um, but um um but um. Any, anyways, I think it, that statement s- says a lot in medicine. Yes. You rather want a student with um, um, you know, B brain and an A plus yeah. energy. You you can teach school, but you can't teach people to like care and believe and and have that drive. Yeah, I think one of the other things to say is like the, the experiences that we get like makes make us stronger. Like the life experiences, uh-huh. like uh, like just even sports, going through that struggle. Um, I've had residents that are supposed to be smarter than me. Uh, freeze when patients crash, oh. and I'm like, "What are you doing? Like, what are you doing, bro? Get yeah, out yeah, the way!" Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I'm the one cleaning up the mess, and I'm like, "I don't know if it's because like I had to take a penalty kick like 10 years ago in my yes, life uh-huh, that won a uh-huh. game, or it's because I had to work at T-Mobile and make rent. Uh-huh, uh, I don't uh-huh. know, but like that, those experiences make you stronger. Scrappiness, and those and they give you the uh, confidence to work under stressful situations and. Those experiences are kind of underrated, but they help you as a doctor stay composed under pressure because that's what everyone wants. Right. I, I want to jump on that really quick. When we're children, a lot of those experiences feel like we did something wrong, uh. Uh, especially as an immigrant here. When your dad leaves a note for your mom and says, hey, if I don't make it back from the immigration office, should they just go home? Mm-hmm. Or when you worry because you confuse a word and it chokes you up when you're presenting in class uh, or any of those little things that the people listening who have these backgrounds will understand what I'm saying. Uh-huh. We blame ourselves for them and it makes us feel less perfect. Uh. And I know I did that for many, many years where I would say, Oh, I wish I had a friend. Uh, his name was Ben. I wish I could do this like Ben or Ben's dad does this. And actually funny enough, Ben's dad is a phenomenal physician from Guayaquil, Ecuador, but his mom was from Ligonier, Pennsylvania. And he had, you know, he, he was a white-passing individual as well. And other students, a Christian, I j- just remember these kids, and I'm like, I wish I could be like that. Mm-hmm. But now the experiences I had that made me sometimes mature a little sooner and made me oftentimes feel less than are what m- allows me to be more. Uh. And so that's something I always tell when I meet younger students and try and help them out is what you're going through now that feels that y- makes you less is actually something that if you get through this is going to make you more. Right, 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 right. And I think turn that's around and become a hundred percent because you survived uh-huh. it. Any, yeah. I mean, anybody who can come through the other side of anything, whether it's taking a penalty kick, uh-huh. whether it's having to go and explain why your chest smells like menthol when you got <laughs> <laughs> when you got a cold, yeah, 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 and you're not sweating, your shirt is sticking to you. Yeah. Um, but all those little things, having to go through that is exposing you to things that okay, maybe you weren't ready to be exposed for, but you're going to be exposed to them at right. some point. And I would much rather it be, like he said, exposed early than when a patient is coding or crashing right. or, you know, the first time you see a vehicle collision. I remember the first time I was in an accident and was CPR certified and decided to help. Mm-hmm. And that calmness under control because you've been living in that chaos your whole life. Yeah. And I, and that's okay. Right. If you can survive that chaos, but don't let it bring you down. Right. And um, I appreciate what you said about, you know, Preferring a somebody with B grades, but with a, a, brain a B and brain and A, b- yeah, yeah. And the way to build that is by giving the confidence from the very beginning, right? And th- which is this part of the, uh, with this uh, 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 program that you guys have, uh, or right. this movement that you guys are behind. I'm part of that meeting that we want to have on October 1st in El Fogón. And right. thank you for that amazing restaurant mm-hmm. to sponsor us. It's also explained that uh, as a physician, you are going to have a 
debt, uh, education debt, but uh -huh. there are ways to pay that off. Uh -huh. There are physicians loan repayment programs. There are ways that you can then pay off that debt because a lot of the Latino community will feel like, well, this is great, everything you are telling me, yeah. but I, I don't have the means to afford. When both of my parents are working hard just to get us through, how can I even think about medical school exactly. or like go that path? But um, the, there are so pathways that you can go scholarships, uh -huh, but also uh -huh. after you assume that debt, you can enter in a physician loan repayment program okay. and pay off that debt. So at uh, October 1st, is this open to the public? It is. Right, open to the public at El Fogón on Mill Civic Parkway uh, in West Glen, West Des Moines, 5465 Mill Civic Parkway from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. Yes, and we also want to acknowledge sure. all our sponsors because any of this wouldn't be possible without their help and support. Right. So El Fogón, Des Moines University, Latina Leadership Initiative, mm -hmm. Latino Trade Network, and Mercy One. Okay, excellent. And uh, from 5 to 8, th there's going to be... Tell us about that day. Is there going to be a panel? Uh, is it just going to be... a Tell us a little bit about that. It's about getting together. Uh -huh. So we're going to have food, drinks. Drinks are paid by, pay by yourself. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> They're not free but drink. at least food yes, uh, yes, is yes. going to be served. And then Dr. Larcon, Dr. Garza, Dr. Carrion, Dr. Salas, and myself are going to be there. We each are going to take turns just telling our stories, giving a few words, but mm -hmm. it's more about connecting uh, and making sure we are reaching the community. So it's very informal. We're yes. going to have some opening words and then some middle words uh -huh. and then at the end some closing statement. Okay. But it's very flux. Okay, okay. And they also Guitarras ATM. Oh, yes. Guitarras ATM is going to play. I'm right, looking right. forward to yes. hear them. Yes. yes. They are an amazing group. <laughs> yeah, they're they're uh, very uh, happening. Uh, <laughs> um, so what uh, what's like the last word of advice that you would give to somebody like my niece, for example, that you know I think I mean I think she wants to marry a professional athlete. <laughs> like that's <laughs> what she told me. <laughs> but no, it's a joke. But she did say it. But you know. When she was a sophomore, we did that documentary, and I should show her because she's like, I want to be a doctor, and she said it very confidently. Uh, that path that she's taking out, that doesn't mean that that's it, right? Like, she could uh, go. So what would you tell to somebody like my niece? Well, I would like to finish. You know, this is being a, a great meeting, and uh, I'm happy to hear that everybody's stories and, you know, how everybody contributes to, to this uh, day, to the you know, National Latino, you know, day and hopefully continues to grow right uh, we want to reach those students those young you know, students um, or parents that uh, you know they're kind of on the fence that they don't know if they should get in into this and hopefully mm -hmm. we can reach some of them to, to increase this uh, the uh, you know the Latino workforce um, and I would like to uh, um, you know finish up with that statement that I think uh, you uh, the misconception that you need to be a, a brilliant student all through your career. Uh. Through high school to next school, there's different paths to get there. Mm -hmm. and you can choose different careers and different, and then switch and then get into, in, into, mm -hmm. into next school and, and use the credits you, you earned. And but, um, uh, at any stage, time of your life, I think uh, if you have, if you think you, you trust in yourself and you can do it, you could move forward and get into med school. You don't have to pull yourself down because, you know, your GPS wasn't yeah, the highest yeah, or okay. because, you know, you didn't follow the, the typical formal path of, you know. That is true. Like, you know, you think of doctors like, oh, they're pilots. Like, I'm sure they're shooting this through it the entire uh, life. So that's really good advice. Yeah, and it's the, it's the, the, the desire to also to treat people, you know, and uh, I would like my kids to also get into med school. Uh -huh. My first one, that he's 15 years old, and um, uh, but um, you know, I, every time I, I ask physicians, we I, I you know, I see a like my daughter or my kids get sick, and um, we have to get some stitches and say, Would you like to do that for somebody else? You know, 
My daughter says that she would like to be the doctor for animals, so she wants oh to be okay. that. She likes now the dog we have, but but uh, but that that um, uh, feeling that you have when you uh, treat somebody um, and um, make him feel better, and then comes back later on uh, better, and, and and you did it through your study, through right. your training. You know, it has no comparison with any other profession. It's rewarding. It's yeah. very rewarding. What about you? What would you tell uh, a young I would tell them to believe in yourself, believe you can do it, find a mentor, that's important, find somebody to help you in the process, to guide you, and that's okay if your path is not straight, the important thing is to always have that goal in your mind and achieve that goal, and every morning wake up and like, what do I need to do to reach my goal, and it's okay if it's not a straight path, you can go so many different ways, but all those experiences are going to be beneficial for you, are going to make you a better person, mm-hmm. a better physician to serve your patients. And I will say that medicine is the best profession in the <laughs> world. <laughs> you get paid to help people, save lives. to save lives. Yeah. And at the end of the day, even if you are exhausted, you can go to bed knowing that you most likely made the difference in somebody's life, and that's priceless. Right. What about you, Dr. Marquez? Um, I would just tell like high school students, undergrads, that uh, that it's definitely possible uh, to keep like leveling up. Uh, I remember freaking out over gen chemistry, and now I'm studying for boards. Like it, it just happens. It doesn't happen overnight, but it's a slow buildup. And before you know it, um, you're ready to to tackle. Uh, keep up with uh, the, the people that you thought could topple you like academically it, res- it just happens but you have to be prepared to put in the work there's no way around it uh-huh. um, I had to stop going out I had to stop hanging out with certain people I had to I had to work out more um, I had to do what I needed to do to, to get there because like yeah I'm not, I'm not perfect but there's no way to finesse getting into medicine in uh-huh. the US you still have to show up yeah and like we all showed up uh, on those exams, and s- you have to get out of the. Oh, I'm not good at test taking. Oh, oh no, right, right, no, right. you gotta, you gotta get used to it. Right. You gotta show up there and just get beat up and come back and like, like that Captain America. Or like, I could do this all day. Where he's getting nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta get that mentality, uh, and you're gonna get it from all kinds of ends. You're gonna get it from classmates. You're gonna get it from teachers. You're gonna get it from your own people, your own family. Uh, you're gonna get it from other minorities. You're gonna get it from white people. Uh-huh. That's enough said. But you have to find a mentor and. Just keep going through it because it's it's just gonna be uh, like diehard. You're just you're just gonna have to figure out a way. Uh, like I like Spider Man. Uh-huh. You know, talk about those. I don't know if anyone's seen the new one, the canon events. Uh, <laughs> when a tragic event happens, they call oh, it. Oh yes, a yes, event. yes. That's right. Yeah. Like there's canon events, and those are there for a reason. Like I think I would have. I had a tryout with the Chicago Fire Reserves. I almost made it to the MLS, but I had a stress fracture in my foot, uh-huh. and my mom. I, I went home crying. And she told me, all right, you got really close to going pro. What's your backup plan? And here oh. I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's a explain event. that again about the Canada events. I did see the Spider-Man, but it's something happens and then yeah, what happens? So like when Peter Parker's uh, uncle dies, uh-huh. you know, that's what makes him become Spider-Man. It's a tragic event, uh-huh. but it changes your life for the good. Yes. Um, there are a lot of Canada events in life. Like right, in our lives. Breaking, uh, getting the stress fracture. Going down from the Chicago Reserves to the U23. Uh And I think had that not happened, I just would have been a dumb jock. I would have, not that, you know. (laughs) 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 But, like, I always thought I was the dumb jock. Uh Because in my family, people were smart. And I I was the dumb jock in high school. Uh Uh And now I'm, like, the jock doctor. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So things happen. Right, right. Um, uh, And a lot of, I lost friends. Um, My grandma died. That was probably the biggest thing she got. she died while I was in um, a resident, but uh, she had a stroke when I was uh, a little ER tech in the ER. That was like my first job in the hospital, just pushing beds. Uh-huh. And uh, I came back from work. I saw all these people having strokes. I came back, and then my grandma was pushing a chair to move, uh-huh. and my aunt was there. And I was like, Theo, what's up? And she's like, oh, grandma can't walk. She's uh-huh. dizzy. And I'm like, did she fall? No. And then I like did a little Romberg on her and some other stuff. And I was like, I wasn't even a doctor then. I was like, I think this is a stroke. Uh-huh. And she was a lawyer, and she's uh-huh. like, you're not a doctor. Get out of here. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm going to call 911. I don't care what you think. She's yelling at me. I'm calling 911. We took her to the hospital. She was had a stroke. Uh-huh. 
And that then from there made me think that, you know what, one, I don't ever want to feel that way again, like being uh, so scared for my family. Uh, uh, and if I could be the other person on the other side taking care of the other version of me, you know, another family, just being able to provide that comfort and that right. intervention myself. Um, that that was probably the biggest event, but yeah, they call them the canon events. Yeah, so life events. will come. You just gotta keep trucking. Yeah, and it you may seem horrible going. at the time, but it actually might be the thing that changes you for the good. Like, uh, I might have just been some bench warmer on the fire. Or something. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so, yeah. What about you, Arthur? Well, I I wanted to hop on that as well. Yeah, I, there was a statistic. I think it was from uh, AMA that came out not too long ago, which is the American Medical Association. Something around a third of medical students are depressed. Oh. Um, and nowadays with social media, you see a lot of the dawn of the medical influencer saying, oh, I get a coffee at 5 a.m. and then I go on a three-mile run and uh -huh. then I can get through all 2,000 Anki cars by 7 and watch my TV show and go <laughs> to sleep. That's not true. Uh -huh. and maybe for 1%, I'm not going to say you don't do that, but the reality is this is hard. Uh -huh. This is hard. You need to love it. And, you know, Grey's Anatomy is great, but it's not real. <laughs> <laughs> and And so one of the biggest things I always tell people do this for you. Uh. If you're doing anything for you, and I think that's hard because, uh, you know, traditionally people view Latino and, Amer and you know, South American communities as individualistic. I disagree. I think it's one of the most collectivistic in communities in the world because we do anything for our families. Uh -huh. Do things for you, though, because if you take care of yourself, then you can take care of your family. Uh. And, I, and I'm a huge proponent on that. And that's the same thing with medicine. If you're doing this for you, then like Dr. Marcus has said multiple times today, eat it and keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll have to eat it. But right. if you keep going, you'll be able to make it to the other side. And Dr. Marcus also mentioned something earlier about it takes medicine to make medicine. And that's in large part true. You need touches to the medical community and to be able to get in there. And, you know, students will, will watch this and say, well, you guys already made it or, you know, you had this connection or you had this connection. You can too. I mentioned several programs that DMU does every year. Um, Health Pass included, the different outreach programs that we do. And I say look for those because while other communities do gatekeep, it's notorious that they gatekeep resources to prevent people like us from coming in. Our community is different. We want that 2%. Right. So reach out to us. Reach out even if you're at your doctor's visit. And I've had this happen plenty of times when I was mm -hmm. shadowing other physicians. The f one of the physicians I shadowed the longest was my pediatrician. And we uh, his nurse always joked with me. And that one day I'd take over. I ended up picking feet over kids, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> ask him, right. you know. And if you show, and, and I always, he didn't know my grades, but I always tried to bring A-plus energy, <laughs> like Dr. Alarcon <laughs> yes. said, whenever I'd yes. see him, I'd be like, hey, Dr. Gilchrist, let me, let me when, I, when I finally make it to school, let me do this. When I make mm. school, and, you know, I got the opportunity to work with him, and it was a blessing. But do things like that, you know, reach out. And so even if you're at your primary care and you have <coughs> the luck that, somebody in attending there or PA is Latino or an underrepresented minority be like, hey, how did you do this? What can you do? Because you'll find more often than not with underrepresented minorities that they'll actually help you mm. because we want to increase that population. I, it's different from other communities where they're like, no, my son wants to get in, so I'm not going to tell this little high schooler how to uh. get in or this and that. And I'm not saying everybody's like that. I'm n I hate generalizations, but the truth is people like that exist, and right. it intimidates others. This community, you know, it's culture, and we want to expand our culture, so so give it a chance to be a part, to expand the culture, and give that a chance. Reach out to somebody. You know, uh, Dr. Marquez, again, mentioned the things he had at a University of Chicago. Even within your university, I was part of the Multicultural Student Center at the University of Central Florida. At DMU, we have Mentoring Our Leaders of Tomorrow. You'd be surprised the resources and the people that are willing to give their time uh -huh. to be there for you. Like, we all took out an hour of our day to be here to spread this message. Right. I would happily take out 30 minutes of my day if a high schooler or a pre-med student emailed me and was like, hey, can you get on a Zoom to talk about this? Yeah. By no means am I an authority on anything. I'm looking at the camera and telling you right now <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> but I can always tell you my story. Yeah. I will happily tell you my story and the stories of others who helped me get there. Right. It's all about asking, too, right? Like, let's find out. Because there, there are some uh, resources and some paths, and that's what you're doing with this is like showcasing and celebrating the achieved doctors to show we you can do it and uh there's there's ways of doing it so hopefully hopefully out of this i'm sure you're gonna exp inspire inspire uh, you know other young uh latinos and latinas uh latinx 
people to to go on this journey because I'm sure, like my niece, you know, uh, at that you know, freshman, eighth grade, ninth grade, you know, they're like, I could be a doctor. I want to be a doctor. And uh, like you said, you don't have to be an A student throughout your entire life to to get there. The rough terrain, but you can get there. And, and it's not all negative. Like I, I'm, I'm still a resident. Like I do something called moonlighting, and like uh, you are gonna look stupid for a while because I'm just being transparent. Because uh-huh. you're gonna be in school longer than all your other peers or your uh-huh. family members, and they're gonna be like, "What are you doing?" Because that's the end. Uh-huh. Like, you make no money. <laughs> My other siblings are like, "You can't help mom." Yeah. Three. That was like three years ago. Now I pay for the family phone uh, bill. I pay for help my mom's rent. I paid her right. car. Like, it, it, you actually it, like you get paid back. It, right. It's it's real. Like it's uh-huh. a, it's a real job that pays very well. Very well. And it's like recession proof. Uh. Like, so <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a gold at the end of the thing. Yeah, it, yes. It's there. Just, just light at the end of the put tunnel. Put that there for <laughs> people there because uh, that's a big, just, you know. Yeah, finances are a big thing. Yeah, and it, it, it's there. It sh- I know because I was worried about uh-huh. that. Too. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, unless you guys have any final words uh, that you want to add, um, Dr. Please come. So October 1st. October 1st, come to El Fogon, uh, Mill Civic, uh, West Des Moines. Uh, we'll be there. Uh, it should be a pretty uh, nice uh, nice event. Yes. Um, and, uh, well, I would like to thank you all for, for, for doing this. Uh, we'll do our best to spread the word as much as possible. Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully it's not the last time that you come and talk. You know, maybe we can do one just about the yeah. you know oh. the uh, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you again thank you for coming and uh we'll talk soon thank you all right thank you this podcast is brought to you by infinite resources a local staffing agency connecting diverse job candidates and central iowa companies